0: Welcome to another edition of Knowledge is Power Podcast Live and with my co-host LaDonna Larkin. Hello, Donna.
1: Hi, it's Francis. Francis, no, I'm that's sorry, okay. Francis we are just,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. We just gonna keep it going.
0: <laughs> okay, great, great. Uh, we've got a great, we got a guest tonight, uh Mike Guest, the um uh, incumbent of a war two of Bobart City Council. He's going to be with us in a few minutes, but uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of PSH right now.
2: Uh-huh.
1: we have
0: anything new this week that we need to talk about besides the uh-huh. rent release and the funeral assistance from the FEMA? Uh, uh, not, that I, yeah. not that I'm not that, Tony. Since LaDonna's not here, with let me brush over this a little bit. Don't forget, folks, about the COVID-19 funeral system. Uh, you can apply with FEMA.gov, uh, S-F-E-M-A.gov. Uh, this assistance would assist you with up to $7,000 of your funeral expenses if any of your friends, family members, uh, I'm sorry, with your family members only, um, that has passed away and you had to pay out, put out expense for them. And that's from January to 2021, I'm sorry, that's from January the 20th, uh, 2020 to uh, 2021, uh, the funeral money for the funeral assistance for 2021 is not available as of yet now i'm going to move on to uh the texas uh texas Rent, Rent release program is still going on you can apply at www.texasrentrelease.com or call 1-833-989-7368 um and um we will actually um uh, you can the landlords available money is available for landlords and tenants, and that's also up to fifteen months of free assistance, uh, and three months of uh, in advance. So um, if you are behind or you've been foreclosed, I mean, I'm sorry, evicted, uh, you've been late or you had not paid your rent, please apply. The money is there uh let's see oh okay also we have a new website uh, www.knowledgeispowerpodcast.live so if you missed the show and it's not available on social media which it will be uh, you can always go to our website and uh, pick up that show and all other announcements of, of uh in the area well francis we've got another way to go there you go francis
1: of course knowledge is power podcast live is a platform to share important information by educating Southeast Texas African-American communities with viable information regarding health, education, finances, politics, and business.
0: All right. And Dasha's Power Podcast Live is now available on Facebook, Spotify, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Apple, iTunes, and Google Play. Uh, you'll, we're all over the place. Um, let's see here. Now, so if you enter in the show, you can drop us a comment. We want to hear from you. Uh, speaking of comments, hello, Lillian. How are you today? Great. Shout out to Ella. Uh, shout out to, I'm sorry, let's get a shout out to Mary Flores. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm getting there. Hold on. I'm getting there. Uh, so what we're going to do tonight is a little different. We're going to have back-to-back sh- uh, podcast tonight. We've got uh, uh, right now, following this uh, intro, we've got Mike our outcast tonight. Uh, for this segment and at eight o'clock we've got a new podcast with uh, texas state representative joe desertale
1: oh we've got an interesting night So we have a
0: huge night tonight oh yeah also if you are interested in asking personal questions to either one of our guests tonight uh, i will post our link to the comments box you can link in to our show and ask Ask these great guests uh, any questions we want to ask. Okay. We're we're just gonna kind of get you all involved in, in both shows tonight. So with that said, uh I guess we could move on to uh let's see here, bring on our guests, right? Oh yeah. Okay, well, let me let me clear this mic. Okay, I like to bring our guests. Great. So coming up in about 30 seconds, my guests, one or two of the City Councilman. Knowledge is Power podcast live with your host, Tony Redford, and my co-hosts, Madonna Sherwood and Francis Larkins. Knowledge is
2: Power podcast live starts now.
0: Well, look who we have here today. All right. That's right. Mike Gets. I want to, uh, I want to say the council Mike Gets. Mike, I've got LaDonna here with us, finally. Hi, LaDonna. she got a mic Mike, Mike. So she's not even hooked LaDonna, up. LaDonna, so you're muted. <laughs> she's muted. She's trying to talk and she's muted. So, <laughs> Francis, I'll let you lead off. Well, let uh, me... I was gonna let you lead off, but I want uh I'm sure everyone knows Mike is, but like I like for you to friend your
1: mind. Oh, sure. Um, thank you for joining us this afternoon, Mr. Goetz.
0: I'm happy
3: to be here.
1: Good, 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 good to see you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you've um had a seat on council for quite a while. So just give us a little background and introduction as to who you who you are.
3: Sure. I uh, grew up in Port Arthur. I went to Thomas Jefferson High School, went to Lamar University. I've lived in Beaumont since Lamar University. I've lived in every part of Beaumont. I've lived in the South End. I've lived in the North End. I've lived in the center of town. And since about 1982, I've lived in the West End. I uh, went to law school and graduated in 1989. I practiced law here in Beaumont for 30 years. Uh, I was in the court's Frequently, I retired last year so that I could devote more time to public service. I uh, am married to the county tax assessor collector, Allison Nathan Getz, and uh, she uh, she keeps me on my best behavior most of the time. (laughs)
1: So, you know, I'm going to dive right into it. What do you feel is your best attribute, the best thing that you have contributed to our city's council since you've been on council?
3: My voice. I think that I speak for the people in Ward 2 that elected me to office. I reflect their concerns and their. Uh, I bring their issues forward. I respond to their needs when they call me. And I try to address any Problem that they may
2: have. Okay. Um. I heard. I heard you say that you uh, lived all over Beaumont. My question is: Do you feel like uh, having lived all over the city that there is a difference in the quality of life in different uh, parts of town and areas?
3: I think there's a difference in quality of life within each of the wards in each of the areas. There are parts of Ward 2 that are not in the same shape as other parts of Ward 2. And that's only to be expected because it wasn't all built at the same time. You know, parts of Ward 2 include Amelia, for instance. Amelia, for a long time, was its own community. It was annexed by the city of Beaumont with whatever infrastructure it had at that time. And it was not the same standards as the city of Beaumont. So over the years, the infrastructure in Amelia, for instance, has uh, had to be repaired. And uh, we have done a lot in the last 10 years since I've been on city council repairing infrastructure in Amelia. We've resurfaced most of the streets over there we have done lots and lots of pipe bursting with the sewer system and we're in the middle of working with drainage district six to do a flood control diversion to help flooding problems but these kind of issues exist throughout the city to some extent or another
2: okay um my next question is
0: You will get it.
2: You gonna get it out, or what? <laughs> I'm sorry, my my I'm, my throat is a little bit scratchy. But anyway, um, my next question is more about the monies that are distributed um throughout the different wards. Um, I, I know we kind of spoke about the difference in quality of life, but each ward gets a share equally. Do you feel like that is the best practice? for Beaumont um, given the current condition of certain wards versus other wards?
3: Well, I don't think that that's quite right. We don't split the money equally in all things. Most of the city's budget goes to taking care of things like paying for our police officers and our firefighters and our EMS and city workers. That is the biggest part of our budget And so when you talk about splitting money equally, you know, you're going to have to kind of direct me to where you're going at in the budget, because that's not what the budget says. Now, if you're talking about street repairs and if you're limiting it to street repairs, then yes, we do try to spend an equal amount of money rehabilitating streets in each of the four wards. So maybe that's what you're referring to. Yes, yes, yes,
2: correct.
3: Okay. Well, then to that issue, what we did a few years ago is we hired a company to drive every inch of every road inside the city of Beaumont. And they used lasers and came back with a pavement condition index that would tell you exactly what kind of condition each road was in, whether it was in good, fair, or poor, and what we needed to do to work to bring that road up to an optimal condition. And every ward has plenty of streets that needs to be looked at and addressed. So that is why that money is uh, split evenly between the four
0: wards.
2: Tony, do you have a question?
0: Go oh, I'm sorry, I'm working on something. All right, GT. Uh, Frances, she's there. Oh, my goodness. Nobody I'm just talking. okay am so, Okay, so. I'm kind of
1: nice. I pay attention to the city council meetings. I try to tune in um, since the pandemic, at least every week to see what's going on. So there's been a lot of controversy about um, a dog park here. And I live in war too. Give us a little insight on the dog park, please.
3: Okay, sure. I'm not sure where the controversy is because all seven of the city council members or all six and the mayor said they thought it was a good idea but where the idea came from was a citizen that lives in Ward 2 who wanted to have a place to go exercise her dog. You know, we have a leash law in the city of Beaumont, so you can't let your dogs just run free. She started a petition on change.org that now has over 2,600 signatures wanting to put a dog park over at Rogers Park. Now what we're really talking about is just putting some fencing up because That's the majority of the cost of a dog park. And any city council member that has 2,600 citizens saying they want something, better pay attention to that because that's a significant number of voters that are saying they want something. There's a part of Rogers Park that's not utilized very much to the west of the tennis courts that would be ideal to be able to be fenced off as a dog park. And that's what that is all about. You know, we have a lot of apartments in War 2. We have a lot of townhouses right there around Rogers uh-huh. Park. And when you have a townhouse or an apartment, you don't have the ability to go let your dog run free. So if you want to go exercise your dog, a dog park makes logical sense to you. And uh, A lot of cities are having dog parks now. They're considered a quality of life item their amenities, they attract people to a community, and I think we can get it done.
2: I think, don't you think, Though um, okay. so maybe they can um, donate some money to raise their own funds to do that, perhaps? Maybe the 2,600 citizens, if they each donated $5, they may have the money to um, do that instead of, you know, having to have city monies to do it or whatever. To me, they, they may be
3: able to raise some
2: money to do that.
3: Well, you know, the dog park that currently exists in Beaumont did get some seed money from the Old Town Neighborhood Association. Uh, They donated $10,000 to get it started. And I said at the city council meeting, I would guarantee that we would get up to $10,000 to donate from citizens if we could go ahead and get this put on the budget to uh, be built.
2: Now, um, let me ask you this. Tell us, uh, you know, for the listener that may not be aware about the uh, mayor uh, manager style of government. um, Break it down uh, the way that our city manager uh, slash council government is set up so that people can kind of understand the breakdown of how our council manager government is.
3: Okay. So we are a strong city manager form of government which means the city manager has the role of operating the city on a day-to-day basis. All of the city employees report to the city manager through their department directors or their foreman. He is over all the city employees. The only people that the city council directly employ are the city manager, the city attorney, the city clerk, and the city magistrate. So those are the four people that the city council directly employs and they answer to the city council as a whole.
2: Okay. Um, tell us what you think the actual duties of a councilman is.
3: Well, there's many and the one of the primary duties is to have input into formulating the budget and the capital plan, approving the contracts along with your colleagues on council, uh, policy considerations. Those are all things that the city council does. We, We make the policies of the city of Beaumont. We pass ordinances, we pass resolutions. But beyond that, what a city councilman should be doing is listening to the needs and concerns of their constituents. They should be accessible. They should be, Uh, able to be contacted, and I pride myself in being responsive to citizens when they need something. They know that I'm going to respond to their call, either telephone or Facebook or uh, text message, email. I will get back to them, and I I do frequently. I probably spend the first two, three hours every morning going through emails and text messages uh, from citizens and taking care of concerns they have.
0: Yeah, Mike, you do a pretty good job at that. I, uh, you know, uh, I've seen you and I saw you work before, and you do a good job at some things that you do do. But however, uh, the all the good that you do, and I'm going to tell you a lot of little things I like. You know that I would agree with you. I like the. Uh, I like. I, I'm, I'm disappointed that we didn't get the uh, ballot extension. That's one good thing. I, I'm. I'm. I'm glad that you didn't. Uh, uh that you stopped the uh att building from being purchased by the city that saved us a lot of money you do a lot of little things that that is for the good for the city in your constituents but you, you 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 messes it up when you with your antics so uh, you do more good with the bad you know so you don't know you do more bad with the good but so it balance out so right so why is that why is there so much division in in the chambers Well, I don't know, what is your
3: perception of the division? Let's talk about that for a minute, because when you look at all the votes that we've taken in the last two years, as a council, 94% of those votes were unanimous. Now, when I was in school, 94% was an A, I think it still is. So if you've got 94% of the time unanimous votes, I'm not sure that you can say there's the type of division that you just referenced. But if you want to give me an example, we can talk about
0: it. You know, we spent almost an hour and a half last Tuesday just on the Code of Ethics. All right. Mm -hmm. And besides getting down to business. All right. So um, people in the city of Beaumont expecting results. They are expecting uh, new development. They are expecting growth. They are expecting the streets and drainage system. They're expecting that toilet to flush. They're expecting a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And you've been on the council, how, how many terms? Four terms, correct? I was first elected in 2011, yes. And uh, my and, and I can't direct this directly to you, but why haven't we even touched the surface on some of those items, issues? Well, we
3: have touched the surface on a lot of those items, Tony, and I can point to you some objective criteria to illustrate that. You know, when I first got into office, we looked at our street index and what was hot and heavy back then in 2011, 12 and 13, people were complaining a lot about the quality of our streets being in bad shape. And so, like I said earlier, we hired a company to come in and measure every inch of every road in Beaumont. And they said that overall, our street index score was in the low 60s, which was really not great. And they said that you're going to have to spend more money rehabilitating your streets if you're going to make headway and improve your streets. We were spending back then about two and a half million dollars in the city on our streets. That wasn't enough. They said we needed to spend like eight million dollars a year. Uh Well, in order to do that, we had to pass a bond. Uh So we did. We passed a bond. And when you pass a bond, you got to figure out how you're going to pay that bond back. Uh So what we did was we raised our tax rate. We, We raised it a nickel. We raised it from 64 cents per hundred dollars of valuation to 69 cents per hundred dollars of evaluation. Now, did we get good results from that? I would say we did because we raised our street index score from a 63 to a 67. Now, when you're going to get that kind of progress, you got to pay for it. So that's the street aspect of it. You want to talk about water and sewage? Well, We had an event called Harvey come through.
0: Uh
3: Harvey did a lot of damage to our sewer system, Uh did some damage to our water system too. Uh We've been recovering since then. We probably also had some uh, bad hiring decisions made by city administration over Uh people at the uh, water Water and sewage plant. And I think that uh, if if the city manager is honest with you, he would tell you that, Uh, some of those people that he hired were not the best choices. So that set us back a little bit, too. But we do have some good people in place now. We've recently hired a new engineer as well. And so I think we have a good team to move forward with making repairs to our water and sewage systems. And and we are making headway on that.
2: I think that some of the division that Tony is referencing is not necessarily the 94% that you guys voted together. Because a lot of the votes happen behind closed doors, I guess we're referencing more of what. No, no, wait, wait! I got to interrupt you.
3: We we do not vote behind closed doors. We are not allowed by law to vote behind closed doors. I, I don't. I don't
2: mean. I mean a lot of the negotiation for what's going to pass and all of that happens pre previously. But when it no, ma'am.
3: To- not 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 that I take part in. No, you that look. We've got something in Texas called the Texas Open Meetings Act, okay. and. All of that means that all of your negotiations and all of your voting has to take place in public. You, you don't go behind closed doors and, and make deals, you know. You, you can talk to maybe one other council member or two other council members. You, you, can't, you can't make deals like that. That's not, that's not how it's done. Mm-hmm. Okay, well,
2: let me say this, a lot of the meetings and the, I guess the negotiation of getting to that ninety four percent because it's in the public, it seems as if there's a lot of i guess maybe back and forth that people watch and they wonder like why is it a, a heated um discussion and I know people are passionate, but oftentimes it kind of seems like something is lacking in the way that you guys communicate with each other, but you you in particular.
3: You want to give me an example? Because Tony referenced the uh, code of ethics last week. I didn't open my mouth. All of that was conversation by the councilman from Ward 3 and the mayor. And, you know, I sat there and listened the whole time. So, you know, when I got back home, I I looked up the code of ethics from the city of Leander that uh, Councilmember Samuels was talking about. And you know what? There's a lot of things in there that I like. And so, uh, you know, I'm not saying that I would necessarily oppose that. But what the Code of Ethics is talking about is talking about conflicts of interest between uh, the councilman and the city. Uh, like if you have a business interest and would stand a profit uh, from some deal that you wanted to do with the city. That's primarily what this Code of Ethics is talking about.
0: my. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Minute, yeah, no, go ahead, Tony. I'm sorry.
2: I, w- I was just going to ask you, um, how do you plan to get uh, younger and um, more people involved in uh, city government or involved in the decision-making process of what's being uh, addressed? How do you plan on involving more young people?
3: Well, every city council member has the opportunity to appoint people to various committees. And I've utilized that opportunity to appoint younger people on some of the committees like the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board, the Citizens Advisory Board, the Library Board, all of these committees that, you know, we have the opportunity to appoint to. You know, I use that as a place where people that are up and coming and have a desire to uh, learn things about how the city operates, I put young
0: people on those committees Mike, uh I, mean, I want to kind of go back a little bit uh um, and what you talked about on the um eight million dollar bond that you that the city uh borrowed for the, for the street index uh, for the streets
3: there's a 40 43 million dollars 43 bond.
0: million bond yes so my question is so why didn't at that time uh we just passed it and just we didn't didn't fully ask for the complete uh, all the monies to to make sure that we get uh, maybe to eighty percent of the streets index score because the citizens
3: would have had a revolution if we would have uh, passed a bond that big because it would have resulted in such a tax rate hike that they would have just absolutely lost their minds. You you just can't uh, you can't rehabilitate everything at one time because the cost is too high. It's just not possible.
0: Can you tell me, I'm going to move on, can you tell me why this city has been so stagnant? Uh,
3: Well, you know, I think leadership does have a a role in that. And I I do think that, uh, you know, let's look at see who's been in office for the longest periods of time. Uh, You know, you've got a mayor that's been there on city council since the 90s. Uh, The councilman from Ward 3 has been there since the 80s. The city attorney has been there since the 90s. The city manager has been there since the 90s. So you've got some people that have been there really a long time. Now, you could say, well, that's, you know, a lot of experience there. And it is. But I've also come to understand in life that, you know, if you're in a place for too long, you can lose your edge, you can lose your desire, you can lose your uh, innovation. So, you know, I closed my law practice after 30 years because I thought it was time. I'd been doing it for 30 years. I I was at a financial place in my life where I could afford to do so. And it was just time, I could feel it. I was ready to move on to something else. So I think there's a season for everything. And, you know, we are going to be getting a new mayor this time, and I'm looking forward to working with a new mayor and some new council members.
0: Would you be in favor of uh, um, term limits? On the, on
3: I have the- no problem with term limits, although I will say each each election represents an opportunity for term limits in and of itself. You know, I don't have a problem with term limits, but you know, really, the voters have the ability to limit anybody because <laughs> that, is true. To say.
2: <laughs> that is true. Now, let me ask you, uh, as a part of your platform, tell that twofold question. What do you think is the single biggest issue facing BOMA? And what is your number one signature thing that you want to be known for on the as a council member?
3: Well, I think infrastructure is the biggest thing that is facing Beaumont right now. Not so much streets anymore because we're doing really pretty well on streets at this point. Really? But I think our water system and our sewage system uh, needs some work. And we are addressing that with the uh, proposal of building a new water plant in the West End, a new water pumping station Uh, You know, these are things that will have significant impacts on the uh, water supply in Beaumont, and it will make a difference in some of our discolored water situations.
2: And your main uh, issue that you want to be known for is?
3: Well, I would like to get the Dallin extension done. Now, I want everybody to understand one thing. That's not Mike Getz's project. The Dowland Extension proposed, proposal was made when Evelyn Lord was the mayor. That's how long ago it was. But it's just sat there and sat there and sat there. And I am the one that picked it up off the shelf, dusted it off and said, you know what? This makes a whole lot of sense. Economically, it makes more sense than just about anything we could do as a city in terms of a public works project. What the Dallin Road extension is, you know, everybody knows the Dallin Road ends at College Street right now, dead ends and you go left or right. Well, you put the Dallin extension in all the way to Interstate 10. And I want you to think about how much value it would be to a merchant to have an address of Dallin and IH10. That would be a big, big investment for some company like Costco, another Walmart, or something even bigger. You just don't know what you might have out there. It would come out right across from BISD Memorial Stadium, and it would open up I-10 all the way out to Parkdale Mall on Dallin. You know, people say Dallin is like, Uh, Houston's Westheimer. That's Beaumont's Westheimer. It's where most of the stores, most of the shopping is. But the part of it closer to I-10, a lot of that will be developed into homes. And so that goes just, uh, I guess that would be east of Brentwood and west of the Crescent. That's going to be prime real estate for home development. And then you're going to intersperse that. When it crosses Walden, there will be shops there. I know the developers have already talked to some grocery stores. They need to have a grocery store. And, you know, right now all that's in Ward two, but when we redistrict, which we're going to be required to do because of the census, you know, the census makes us redistrict every 10 years so that all the wards have equal population. All right. When we redistrict, all of that's probably going to be shifted into Ward four. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. I'm, <clears throat> um- I'm not against that project either, but I have another question. Um, Oh, I I lost my train of thought. I was going to ask you, oh, the transportation workers. The city has transportation workers that are concerned about um, some talk about maybe dialing back transportation or doing away with transportation. Now, just think if we had a project like the dialing extension, um, that would require people to be able to have to need to move around. You know what I mean? Give me some input on the transportation issue with uh, Beaumont Transit.
3: Okay. Well, do you have any idea how many people actually use the bus right now? Do you know? No, I don't, I don't. I don't know either. And nobody knows because we've never tried to track that. And I have been told that it might be as few as 500 people that actually use the bus. I don't know if that's true or not, but before we can have any meaningful conversation about our transit system, it would be very helpful to know how many people actually use it. What if it's 400 or 300? What if it's 100? We don't know.
2: Right, we should know
3: So we need to know that information before we can really have a conversation. If it is a ridiculously low number, then we need to look at other alternatives. Because we spend five million dollars a year on our buses, if we have five hundred people that actually use the bus at five million, uh, uh, that's that's ten thousand dollars a person a year. Well, that's that's a lot of money. There might be another there might be another way that would be better. And I am all far looking at what other cities are doing and seeing what their best practices are and to see if they can be adopted into Beaumont. For instance, there are some cities that have gone away from public transit and they rely on vouchers for people that are economically disadvantaged and need public transit so they could use ride sharing services like Lyft or Uber. And people come back and say, well, we don't have that many Lyft or Uber drivers right now. Well, you would if there was a demand for it. And so it's a better experience for a person that needs transportation to have a car come right to your door instead of you standing outside in the rain or in the sun, not knowing when the bus is coming, maybe it just came, maybe it's coming, you don't know. And then our bus system as it stands right now, it cuts off at nine o'clock. What if you're in South Park and you have a job at a restaurant at the mall and your shift isn't over till 10? Well, if you took the bus to get there, how are you gonna get home? You know, there's there's a lot of problems with the buses. The bus system doesn't even go to all parts of Beaumont right now. So, I'm saying let's start by looking and finding out how many people actually use the bus. That's all I that's all I've been saying. Let's find out.
0: Now, isn't the bus uh, bus transportation system is running is, uh, is is contracted out?
3: It is. Yes.
0: And, and so, it's not really costing the city anything, correct?
3: Well, no, what does cost the city something? We spend two and a half million of taxpayer dollars on that contracted out. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, our local tax dollars is two and a half million. Then the federal government spends about two million right. and the state government about five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So, yeah, it's a it's an actual cost to our taxpayers.
2: I have a question about the current climate of policing across the United States but for the purposes we can just talk about Jefferson County. What are your thoughts and feelings about the division between the community and uh, the police and what are your ideas about how to improve community relations with
3: officers? Well, I gotta tell you, I think Chief Jimmy Singletary has done a fantastic job with relations between the, the Beaumont Police Department And the community. And I can point to several programs that they have in place to make sure those relationships are good. You know, whether it's the the trunk or treat things that they do, or all the other many opportunities that they give the citizens to interact with the police department, uh, they, they have good relationships, in my view, with the citizens. I have in Ward 2, a lot of neighborhood associations. And one of the things that we do in our neighborhood associations is we have a police officer and police administration come to our War War II neighborhood association meetings and talk about issues in that community that affect crime. And police officers make themselves available and accessible to the citizens, they're right there. And and Jimmy Singletary himself comes to some of these meetings. So, uh, you you know, I I believe that we have good relationships between, I haven't seen any of the riots or issues that we had last summer uh, in Portland or uh, some of the other big cities, Seattle. None of that happened to Beaumont. And the reason I think is, is because of the excellent relationships we've developed over the years
0: don't you think there should be more uh beaumont being more, uh 60 uh majority uh african-american don't you feel like there should be more black america african americans on the police force and also on advisory boards why we, why has that been an issue
3: i think that the beaumont police department is trying very hard to recruit more minorities into the police department uh you know, that's that's an effort that is ongoing and qualified applicants that have a desire to become a police officer are invited to, you know, apply and go through the police academy. I know they would be welcome and well-received. Uh, as far as advisory boards, every city council member has the opportunity to appoint whoever they want on the advisory boards. So, you know, right, we've had times where we've had, uh, majority, minority city councils, and we've had times where we haven't. So I don't like identity politics, Tony. Okay. I think that I represent Ward 2, and I don't give preference to anybody based on whether they're Democrat or Republican or Black or white or Hispanic. I treat everybody uh, the same. I, th- I think people expect to be treated the way that you want to be treated—that's kind of the golden rule, isn't it? Then you want mm-hmm. to have people treat you like uh, you know you treat them.
0: Mm-hmm. So I want to dive back uh, to uh, what we talked on earlier about. You said that the city—we talked about longevity, and you talked about what uh, f- uh, three uh, councilmen been on the board on the in a chamber for so many years. Uh, what uh, uh, that Lord Chuck, uh, uh, councilman, been on there for thirty years? The uh, mayor been on so many years. But my question is that uh, since, and the city manager had been on so many. So my my question is, you stated that the city manager made some a bad decision in the, at the water sewer plant. Correct.
3: I think he made a mistake in his hire. I've told him he's made a, I, I told him he made a mistake. Now that wasn't apparent at, right off the bat, you know, mm-hmm. y, y, it had to progress a little bit, but it, it became quickly apparent that that probably wasn't the best choice. And that was corrected.
0: Um, and, um, uh- but if uh, that has been some issues there in the world, and uh, by employees as well, that's you know I've I've get a lot, quite a bit of complaints about that. Uh, so, at being a city, being a city manager, government, why are we not, um, why are we not talking a board to the city manager? Why are we not uh, questioning the city manager and his decisions? It's cost us. This cost us taxpayers' money.
3: Well. You know, I can only speak for me. There are a lot of things that I have questions the city manager about. Um, you know, you could you could look at the at and building as an example. You could look at the uh, idea of putting a, a traffic circle or a roundabout back at the intersection of College and uh, 11th Street as an example. You could look at uh, the administration's desire to tear down the old fire station, number one, that was on college street. You know, that was uh, when we built the new fire station, uh, the city manager said, we're going to tear down the old fire station, number one, and, uh, you know, market the property. And I, I said, well, hold up here. Why don't we try to sell it and see if anybody's interested in it. And, uh, thankfully they listened to me and, uh, you know, we ended up selling it for $350,000. And uh, the guy that bought it is a well-known developer here in Beaumont, and he's going to do something with that building. So, uh, you know, sometimes they listen to me, sometimes other things happen. It ended up that the AT&T building did not get acquired by the city of Beaumont. Uh, Had we acquired it, we would have spent $2 million in acquiring it and tearing it down. We would have had a vacant lot to show for it. We would not be getting $150,000 a year in taxes. And that's what we're getting for an empty building. Just think if it ever gets built out like it should be. Uh, The traffic circle, that would have cost another $2 million to tear out that intersection, which is a perfectly good intersection. And can you imagine, I know every one of y'all have been on College Street trying to get into Chick-fil-A at some time or get out of that parking lot, and you know what a nightmare it is. Can you imagine if you didn't have a break in the traffic from a traffic light to get in and out of a parking lot? It would be horrendous. So that would have been a nightmare. But fortunately, we didn't have that happen. So I say all that to say this, Tony. Uh, I have no problem telling the city manager when I disagree with him, and, and I do so. That does not make me the most popular council member at the room. So, you know, that's okay too.
0: We've got 15 minutes and uh, I'm going to go to the comment board uh, for uh, some questions from the audience. And uh, so, ready, Mike? Put your hard head on. Put your hard head on. Okay. Uh, Let me find one here. Let's go to one of the first ones. It's from Jerry Ball. It's a little lengthy, but let me go find it. Mike, give me one minute to explain it uh, since we're pushing for time because we have a uh, back-to-back podcast uh, following your, your show. So let me go to uh, Jerry Ball Jr. He's saying, with the lack of commercial develop, development in certain areas, how can equal dollars equate to to same infrastructural investments? That's one question. Would you agree or disagree? disagree that incentives – to help lure commercial investment in areas that would give incentives to areas where infrastructure is lacking.
3: I agree that we should give incentives to areas that are economically depressed, and we do so. For instance, downtown is all a, uh, it's, it's, it's an investment zone where people that decide to locate their business downtown get a basket of goodies and perks from the city. And there's other areas in Beaumont that we also have designated as those commercial empowerment zones. So yes, I do agree that the city can do something to help the private sector. And that's what we're talking about now is the private sector coming in and doing things. Yes, I agree with that.
0: Would you agree with the private sector and the city uh, partnering up?
3: I believe in private-public partnerships and collaboration. I think that is always a very good thing, mm-hmm. and I would welcome more of that.
0: All right. And uh, you talked about the dollar ex- e- extension. Uh, this is my question. Uh, um, and I meant to get to it before I go back to uh, uh, the comment board. My question is here on the dollar extension, which I thought was a great idea, but then I got to thinking, and said, wait a minute, we've had a major major drive that does the same thing from one of uh, once past 105 all the way to interstate 10 onto uh finette road 147 and it has not developed so what would make you think that dollar extension would do would develop in home development or commercial development that major drive that has been sitting there for years and has not been developed well, Major
3: Drive hasn't been developed to the extent that it can be and should be. I mean, you go out there past um, Brentwood, out there past Willow Creek, and you've got the Country Club, and then it gets kind of empty out there. And so you're, you're, you're making a very good point. Uh, all I can tell you is that I have seen some of the plans that some of the developers that own some of that property out there, which would be on the and Extension have. And they wouldn't be putting this kind of money into it if they didn't think they would get a ret- good return on their investment. And the city has done some numbers and it is exponentially impressive as to what the tax revenues would be when that is all built out. But you, but you make a good point. Major Drive still has some room to grow.
0: It does. Plenty of room to grow. Taylor Roy said with one investor owning 25 properties downtown it would never prosper. Right? I mean, what you Well, I
3: happen about? to know that guy. And mm-hmm. uh, he and I grew up in Port Arthur together. And I know he has plans to build some of these properties out. He's not buying these properties just to lose money. Uh, he owns some properties that are doing very well downtown. He owns some properties that he hasn't even started on downtown. So I think that it takes time and money to develop old buildings uh i know he has some high dreams and i hope he can pull them off uh i think the city needs to do everything that they can to support him
0: well i've been trying to reach out to him as well for an investment downtown and uh, it's been several months and i have not heard back from him. so will you knock on his door for me i can do that <laughs> all right uh so now we're going to um Asked another question here. But I think Ann Jones has Mike has promoting street and rehabilitation support extending dollar road to R10. Yes, we talked about that. You want to say anything about that, Mike? But we are, I think we've kind of gone over that.
3: Well, I think we've talked about, yeah, that, we've and, talked about that and how much how much that would offer in terms
0: of tax revenue and mm-hmm. uh, benefit to the citizens. Yes. Well, Mike, this 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 election, you you got an opponent. What's gonna make you uh uh what's going to make you what make you feel like you're going to um, going to take for you to take this election?
3: Well, you know I've got two opponents actually, and yes. uh, you, you know I don't know Mr. Dean very well, but I uh have met miles haynes, and uh when I heard miles was interested in running, uh, I took him to lunch and we talked, and we found out we do have a lot in common um you know he's conservative i'm conservative uh we're we're both athletic we both enjoy working out and uh you know eventually it came a point in time in the conversation where i asked him uh well well miles i have to ask you uh have i not done something you wanted me to do or did i do something you didn't want me to do and uh he said no you're doing a good job which kind of made me scratch my head and say okay then uh why, why do you want to run against me? And uh, he said, "It's just something I want to do." Okay, well, that's fine. Everybody has a right to run for office, and uh, I told him I'd see him on the campaign trail, and that's where we are. But uh, I don't have anything but good things to
0: say about Miles. Okay, I'm going to go back to the board. You got a minute to speak on this ta- uh, question. Uh, Brenda Davis is asking: Would the city ever consider developing? I tend near for Ford Park into a shopping plaza or relocating park mall to generate revenues for the city, as most major city malls are located on the main interstate.
3: Well, Brenda, you see, that's something that the private sector has to address. You know, that's not a role for the city to do commercial development like that. We would be glad to partner with the developer to the extent possible that we could, but using taxpayer dollars to do a development like that is absolutely not something that we would do. You, you have to use your taxpayer dollars to fund core city services, pay for your police, your fire, your EMS, your libraries, your streets, your sewer, your water. That's what your taxpayer dollars go for, not for commercial development.
0: Okay, Mike, right, let's see here, go to another, to the coming board. Uh, let's see here who I have next. Uh-oh, this is a little bit controversial, but I'll go with it anyway. Tomorrow, it was where saying, well, does, uh, Mike, do you think you're the only one can sit in that seat? <laughs> that seat
3: is owned by the citizens of Beaumont, and the citizens of Beaumont decide who can sit in this seat. We don't own these seats. These seats are something that we temporarily occupy, and it is the people's seat, not, not any one person's seat.
0: Um, my co-hosts, no, oh, they have gone. Something happened. I guess they lost their <laughs> Wi-Fi or whatever, but they're all gone. But, Mike, I enjoyed your your, your presence today. And Oh, I got one more. Um, let's go to Isaac Mouton. I'm sorry. He said, what about the church? I and mean, he's talking about the transit system. What about the church that depends on the transit system? To get the charter school, get to charter school. Do you do you want to put them in cars with strangers, or what, a, what is your answer to that?
3: Well, I I haven't seen a lot of children get onto our city buses, and if that is something that is happening, that is part of what we need to identify who actually uses our bus system. That's what I said. We need to find out how many people actually use the buses. If it turns out that there's a lot of children that use city buses to get to school, that needs to be considered. I mm-hmm. kind of thought we had school buses for that, but maybe kids are getting on city buses. I don't know.
0: Okay, uh, Nathaniel, Edrick Edric, Jr. is saying, and, uh, we can't even get main arteries ot- like 4th Street and other neighborhoods done, and we're talking dialing that just uh the property taxes and western enhancements um i understand that too uh but i mean you are War two councilman um,
3: well and i, I also want to address mr eldridge's point you know it's not like major street developments are happening in ward two in fact if you look at the most recent major street developments in beaumont they were in other parts of the city not in ward two For instance, you look at Washington Boulevard, that's a 33 to $34 million improvement. That is the biggest public works project the city of Beaumont has ever done except for the Calder Avenue project. And then you look at Concord Road. Concord Road was completely redone and that was a $20 million project. Now, neither one of those projects were in war Two, but they both needed to be done and they were done. So now it is time to do something in the West end that would add significant value to the city as a whole. i got one more
0: question before we end the show. That's Abba Turner, uh, the Opportunity Zone. Have the have they data been evaluated on success? Are you willing to explore other options with other cities having more innovative incentives?
3: Albert, AJ, yes, absolutely. I think that we need to look and see what works in other cities and you know, mirror those opportunities here in Beaumont. And I think that there are other tools that we can put in our toolkit to help some of these opportunity zones be more successful. I don't think that they have been as successful as they maybe could have been. And I think a lot of that has to do with marketing I think we need to get our message out there more, let more people know that these opportunity zones exist, and invite people to participate in
0: them. Mike Getz, everyone, Beaumont uh, City Councilman of War Two. He's uh, running for re-election for the fifth term, and Mike, I wish you all the luck. Uh, I think our time is up. I'm having a back-to-back uh, podcast uh, tonight, so we were pushing for time and I want to thank you so much for accepting our invitation and we're welcome you back again and again and again. Okay. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, I appreciate you very much. And I don't know where my co-hosts, where disappeared to, but uh, I think I, it, it on behalf I'm of I'm here. It, I'm here. Oh, oh, okay. I didn't know. I, hello, how you been? Okay. <laughs>
1: I'm here. I, I'm so, I'm doing great.
0: Yes. Good. good Thanks again good. for joining so, us tonight, Councilman. Yes. Yes, we enjoyed. My it. Thank you so much for, Thank you so much for um, you uh, coming on and braving it out. So we know, wasn't that bad, you know. So we'll do it again. How about that? All right, Mike. Thank you so much, man. We enjoyed you. Bye, All right. Thank you for watching Knowledge is Power podcast live. Be sure to like and subscribe to all Knowledge is Power social media pages.